At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Today, we invite you to tune into our current series, Assembly Required, Building a Case for Church, where we'll see what the Psalms teach us about a life of faith lived in community. Well, good morning. I want to begin this morning by sharing a few things. You guys ready? This right here is a novel. I devoured this thing on our recent vacation. We sat on the beach. It is a novel entitled The Man He Never Was. It's by one of my favorite authors, a guy by the name of James Rubart. Great, great book. This right here is a CD. Do you remember those? <laughs> uh, I still buy those occasionally and this right here is a CD by a band called The Head and the Heart, one of my favorite bands. And uh, this is a CD called The Living Mirage. Now, you might not know the band. Had an opportunity to go see them in concert last summer when you could do that sort of thing. And uh, just want you guys to know, love this band. Great CD. This is Hudsonville Ice Cream. Banana Foster. Fantastic. If you haven't had it, I recommend it. It's one of those that, you know, we don't often buy Hudsonville ice cream, but when we do, we go for this caramelized goodness right here. Great ice cream. And you might say, well, what in the world are you showing us those things for? Well, those are just a few of my favorite things. And you do that too. You might not do it with a microphone attached to your head, and you might not do it on a stage in front of your church family, but you do that same thing. You tell people about the things that you like, the things that capture your attention, the things that capture your heart. Maybe it's that new piece of technology you can't wait to tell people about it. Am I right? Do you guys do that? You guys ever tell anybody about anything you like? Maybe a new recipe? A new song that you heard on the radio or on Spotify or something like that. You, we tell people about the things that capture our attention, that capture our time, that we invest our time into. And the reason we do that is because we value them. They have a high value in our lives. You see, we think so highly of these things that we praise them before other people. We praise them to our friends, and sometimes we like them so much, we even post it to our favorite social media platform. And this morning, we are going to be turning to a portion of God's Word that deals with the specific issue of praise. It's a passage of Scripture that I want you to know I'm pretty excited about digging into with you as a church family because it is so rich, it is so deep, it is so all-encompassing that I believe firmly that you will walk out of here today with a little more joy in your life because of the truth of what's found in this text. Now, before we turn to that text, I'd like to talk to our Heavenly Father. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we are here today to worship you, to acknowledge your greatness and your goodness, and we have gathered here in this space, in this period of time, to offer you praise. 
because that's what you are due. We carve out time on a rainy morning. We drive to this building to gather as your people to praise you in community. And so, God, would you meet with us here right now? Would your Holy Spirit connect with each one of our hearts today, whether we had a brutal week or a fantastic week? May we push that aside and allow your Spirit to lead us and guide us now into your truth. Because we acknowledge, God, that your word is true. And so we need eyes to see the truth. We need ears to hear the truth that's found in its pages and in the humility that it's going to take for each one of us to walk out this truth in our lives in the week ahead. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are working through a sermon series entitled Assembly Required. And what we're doing is we are looking at a number of psalms and what they're showing us is how we engage in worship. And it gives us kind of a foundation of what it means to gather as God's people, as the church. And it guides us and leads us into those spaces. So we began a couple weeks ago with a look at the centrality of God's word in our worship. The importance and the significance of the word of God. And then last week we looked at the idea and the importance of individual as well as corporate confession in the lives of believers. So the word, confession, and today we're going to turn to the final psalm written by David in the entire Psalter. It's Psalm 145. And what we're going to do is learn about another key aspect of what it means to be the church and to be together. So let's grab our Bibles, grab our mobile devices, and turn with me to Psalm 145. Again, this is the final psalm of David, and let's read it together. David writes, I will extol you, my God and King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. For they shall speak to the, of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He is slow to anger, and he is abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his work, his words and kind in all of his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. 
The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, and you satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him and to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and he saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but, will, but all the wicked he will destroy. And finally in verse 21, my mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. It's a long psalm, but it's long for a reason. The psalm we just read is both poetic and powerful. And what's important for us to know that when we look at that, you might think, well, hey, wait a second, pastor, that didn't seem all that poetic. What's important for us to recognize is we lose the poetry, the significance of that when we're reading it in our English translations. And here's what I mean. This is what's called an acrostic psalm. Psalm 145 is an acrostic. And what that means is that each verse begins in sequential order with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. One after another, after another, after another. Now, when we read that in our ESV translation, that's lost on us. But let's acknowledge that it's pretty cool. It's kind of a cool thing. There's a number of those in the Psalter. But this is the final one. It's not only the final psalm of David, but it is the final acrostic psalm that we come across. Now you might say, well, I don't understand what the significance of that is. Why would someone write in that pattern? There's two primary reasons. The first is that that served as a memory aid for God's people to learn and to grow. When they would go through that Hebrew alphabet letter by letter by letter by letter. And the second one, and this is the one that matters to you and I. Acrostics help communicate the fullness and the completeness of what is being communicated. Now, for us, that means God is the first and he is the last and he is everything in between. That's what we know to be true of this text. God is completely sovereign. He is fully holy. And I highlight that. Because that is what sits at the heart of this psalm. That is a foundational piece for you and I to understand the significance of Psalm 145. Because the sovereignty and the holiness of God provide us a foundation of this psalm. And it is this. Praise. Praise. In every season, on every day, God is to be praised. Let me say that one more time. In every season, on every day, God is to be praised. Now, we have gone through a number of psalms during this series. We also went through a number of psalms during uh, that time in COVID where I would do Facebook Live. We spent a lot of time in the psalms, and part of the reason we did that was because when David communicates or when the psalmist communicates, he often weaves in a lot of personal feeling and things that he's dealing with. David would often come with a point of confession 
He would often open his heart about what he was feeling in the moment. He would also include a request or many requests of God. That's what a typical psalm of David would look like. That's not what we see here. Not this time. In his final psalm, David highlights one issue. Not his feelings, not his confession. He highlights one issue, and that is the issue of praise. One commentator puts it this way. He says, Psalm 145 is a monumental praise psalm. It is a fit summary of all that David had learned about during his lifetime, about what it means to follow hard after the Almighty. So that sets up Psalm 45, that 145. That gives us a foundation of what we're looking at. But it's important for us to take a little closer look. And what we do, uh, and and when we do, what we're going to find are three answers to some important questions. So let's start with verse 1. And look at verses 2 and 3 as well. David writes, I will extol you, my God and my King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And His greatness, God's greatness is unsearchable. Right here at the beginning of this text, in those first three verses, David helps us find an answer to this question. What happens when we praise God? What is it that happens when we praise God? When we acknowledge God for who he is, our response is one of worship. That's why David says, I will extol God. I will bless his name. I will bless God's name daily. I will praise God forever and ever. Church, that's a long time. You see, David understands that praising God is one thing that you and I, that all the people of God can do in every season of our lives. Every one of them, we can in fact praise God, regardless of our circumstances. We can do so because of the character of God. We can do so because of the goodness of God. We can do so because of the sovereignty of God. Those things never change, they're solid. And that's why. Even what is a very difficult season for many of us right now, when we invest time to intentionally praise God, to intentionally acknowledge his attributes, what it does is it leads you and I, it guides you and I to have a heart of gratitude, one that overflows with worship of the Almighty. Now, some of you, I'm pretty sure today, are dealing with some heavy things. You'd say, well, I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not sure I can do that because you don't know of my job situation. My job is teetering on the edge of a cliff. You don't know, Pastor, what's going on in the life of my family right now. I'm not sure I can do that. 
You don't know what my finances look like. We are struggling. It is incredibly difficult to praise God in those moments. Well, I want to be real for a moment. I want to speak directly to you if that's what's going on in your heart today. I want to offer a word of encouragement. Because what we're going to do is we're going to find the answer to our second question. And I think it might help you. Here's the question. Why is God to be praised? I want you to grab your Bible, grab your mobile device, whatever you're going to use to highlight. And I want you to pay special attention to uh, what we find in this text in, in response to what we just looked at. Why is God to be praised? Psalm 145 is filled, it is loaded with reasons. So what we're going to do is we're going to go rapid fire and we're going to highlight some of the reasons that God gives us in this text that he is worthy to be praised. Or I should say that David gives us of why God is worthy to be praised. So here we go. We're going to begin with verse 1. What we see here is that God is king. So underline that, highlight that. God is king. He's the only king with a kingdom that never ceases. He's the only one. Verse 1, God is king. Then we skip down to verse 3. It says he is unsearchable. Now what that means is that you and I cannot fully fathom, we cannot wrap our minds around the magnitude and the significance and the holiness and all that God is, we cannot wrap our minds around it. So that's what it means that he is unsearchable. We can't fathom fully who he is. So the next word there is unsearchable. Then we go to verse 4, God is active. He is in fact at work. Stories of his movement and power have been going on from generation to generation to generation. The reality is I've talked with many of you during this season of time. And I've heard not only stories of struggle, but I've heard stories of God's movement. You'd say, I have not had the intimate time with my heavenly father quite like I have had in this season. God is active. He's at work even now. Verse 5, next one to underline, God is glorious. Verse 7, God is good and he is righteous. Verse 8, David reveals that God is gracious and he is merciful. And that's something that we should resonate with. God is gracious to us and he is merciful. Verse 11, our God reigns. He reigns. Verse 13, God is everlasting. Verse 14, God is faithful and he lifts up the broken. The broken among us, the hurting, the wounded. God lifts up the broken and he upholds the humble. We're just halfway through the list. We are just halfway through the list when we consider the goodness and the significance of why God is to be praised. Let's keep going. Verse 15, God is our supplier. He's our supplier. God is generous. Verse 16, he's generous. Verse 17 tells us that God is kind. 18, God is near to us. 
We recognize that when we gather for Christmas and we celebrate Emmanuel, when Jesus comes to earth, that is God with us. That is a practical thing that we get to experience, that God is near to us. And that's what is highlighted in verse 18. Verse 19, he is listening. God hears you. He hears you. And he is also the one who saves. Verse 20, God is right and just, and God is our protector. Church family, it's quite a list. If we are truly engaging with these attributes of God, you and I now are equipped with a catalog from which we can offer God our praise. But remember what it says in verse 3. It's unsearchable. We can't fully fathom the significance of God. And yet David wraps up this psalm with these powerful words in verse 21. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. All of those things come to their conclusion as David writes his final words in the Psalter. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord. But let's move from David's life to your life and to mine. What would your list look like? David has just given us a long list of the reasons that we can praise God, some of his character, some of his attributes. The question is, what would that look like if you penned a list? God is what? You'd say, I have experienced this of God. Remember how I began the message today talking about a few of my favorite things? Typically, we are more than happy to tell others about the things that stir our soul, that we value. So how about we take a new approach this week when it comes to our faith? How about we tell our friends, our family members, our coworkers about what we've experienced in light of the greatness of our God? What would that look like? Or the kindness of God? Or the graciousness of God? You know, often the first response to something like that, you'd say, well, wait a second, Pastor, I, I'm just not equipped to do that. I don't feel comfortable. I, I just legitimately don't know what I would say. I'm going to offer you two things in response to that. The first one is an encouragement. The second one is a challenge. Here's the encouragement. If you were in Christ this morning, if you are here today and you would say, I have placed my faith in Jesus, who is the Christ, for the forgiveness of my sin. I know that he died on a cross for me. I've experienced that. I've experienced the love of God. I've experienced the grace of God. I've experienced the forgiveness of God. Pause right there. You have much to share. You, in Christ, have much to share. Now let's go to the challenge. 
The challenge is actually rooted in a text from 1 Peter chapter 3. It begins at verse 13. I'm quoting from the NLT because I like the way it captures the essence of what he is communicating. He says, even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And here comes the challenge. And if someone asks you about your hope, about the hope that you have as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. So if you were in Christ this morning, if you have placed your faith in Jesus and are trusting in Him alone, then you need to be prepared to give an answer for the hope that you have. We should be eager to tell people, not about a CD or a book or some ice cream, but about what we have experienced with Almighty God. So that's the challenge. So we've been able to answer two questions that come from today's psalm. We've seen the emphasis on praise and on worship, and that leads us to the third and final question we're going to engage with from today's text. How is it that we are to praise God? How should God's people praise God? Thankfully, the answer is in the text. In verses 1 and 2, David tells us to bless God every day and to do it forever. Now what's helpful for us to recognize is that when we read that word bless, this is something that you find in the Old Testament and often a blessing was associated with a gift or with an opportunity of praise. So when you would bless someone, you would bless them with a gift. And that's exactly how you and I are called to praise because we've experienced the gift the gift of our salvation in Christ. So we bless God when we acknowledge Him in prayer. We can offer a blessing to God as we meditate, as this text teaches us to, when we reflect upon Him and upon His goodness, when we gather as the family of God to sing His praises, and also when we speak of the character of God of his attributes to our family, to our friends, and to our coworkers. Now personally, as I reflect upon Psalm 145, the things that resonate most with me are the unsearchable nature of God and of his character. I can never fully wrap my mind around all that God is. Another thing is the graciousness of God. And the faithfulness of God. I'm thankful for those things. I love those things. In fact, I would say those are a few of my favorite things. But the question is what are yours? What are yours? What are those things in your experience with our Heavenly Father that would cause you to praise Him, to worship Him, and then to follow up? By blessing him. Church family, I want to ask you to think about those things this week. 
But don't just think about him. Bless your heavenly Father by speaking those to people you love. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We'd love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org contact to introduce yourself today.